2: The best of times, it's the worst of times. As I record this, both the National Basketball Association and Major League Baseball are sidelined because of the coronavirus. But the two professional sports leagues are hardly in the same position. On the one hand, you've got basketball. NBA salaries have skyrocketed in the past five years. The average player makes above $7 million per season, which makes the NBA the highest paid sports league in the world. And basketball is also now the most popular sport in the largest country in the world.
0: 1.4 billion basketball crazed people in a country, and economy that's growing.
1: It's unbelievable the passion that people have for the sport and for the NBA in China.
2: And on the other hand, you've got baseball. People just don't seem to be as interested in the sport as they used to be. Last year's World Series was the least watched in history. So is this a wake-up call for Major League Baseball? Can the World Series continue to compete effectively? Last year, according to Forbes magazine, for the first time ever, the average value of an NBA team is worth more than the average value of a Major League Baseball team. There are lots of reasons for this reversal of fortune, from marketing, to a lack of star power, to the mastery of social media. But if you had to pick one fateful moment when everything changed, when baseball and basketball started to go in different directions, well, might well be something that happened 25 springs ago in 1995. That's the moment when one of baseball's worst players decided to give up on his dream, rather than to be a scab during the game's worst labor strike. Minor league ball players have to give up on their dreams all the time. But this minor league ball player was not your ordinary athlete. He was also the greatest brand ambassador that the sport of basketball has ever known. And baseball's loss proved to be basketball's destiny-making gain. I'm Sean Braswell. Today on Flashback, a tale of one windy city and one remarkable player whose fateful decision helped alter the fate of two sports. And a very special thanks to our guests today who joined us via phone or provided their own local recordings during the global health crisis in the shelter-in-place order. Let's go back in time 29 years for a moment. It's 1991, June. If you've watched The Last Dance, ESPN's documentary film on Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, then you've probably already seen this footage. The celebration has begun
1: in the Chicago locker room, and they are celebrating in Chicago
0: as the Bulls take the Lakers in five.
2: Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls won their first NBA championship. Five months later, just north of Chicago in Minneapolis, the Minnesota Twins won their second World Series baseball championship in dramatic fashion. The Twins are gonna
0: win the World Series. The Twins have won it. It's a base hit. It's a one-nothing, ten-inning victory.
2: Game seven of that World Series between the Twins and the Atlanta Braves was watched by 50 million viewers double the number that watched Game 7 of last year's World Series, and 30 million more than watched Michael Jordan and the Bulls beat the Lakers that year. So Jordan's first championship might have made for a good story, but it was baseball that truly had America's attention in 1991. But behind the scenes, trouble was brewing in baseball. Faye Vincent, a Yale-educated lawyer and the former head of Columbia Pictures, was an unusual choice to be the commissioner of baseball. He was short, balding, and wore large oversized glasses. He looked like he should be the league's accountant. And in his first year as commissioner in 1989, Vincent was tested as few commissioners have ever been.
0: For the first time in 27 years, a World Series game will be played in Candlestick Park. The Battle of the Bay continues. Game three of the 1989 World Series, the Oakland Athletics against the San Francisco Giants. I'm Al Michaels.
2: Less than two minutes later, this happened. And
0: he fails to get Dave Parker at second base, so the Oakland A's take, take. i am tell you what, we're having a
2: A 6.9-magnitude earthquake hit the Bay Area right before Game 3 of the World Series in October
0: 1989. Well, I don't know if we're on the air or not, and I'm not sure I hear this in a moment, but we are. Well, folks,
2: that's the greatest open in the history of television, bar none. The following day, Faye Vincent addressed reporters amid the tragedy.
0: we've made the decision not to play tonight. That's the only decision we made. It's a difficult time for San Francisco and indeed for the whole Bay Area. uh, The great tragedy is
2: that uh, it coincides with our modest little uh, sporting event here. Vincent handled the disaster beautifully. He was reasonable, cautious, humble, smart. The following season in 1990, Vincent was again tested when baseball owners started a lockout during spring training in an effort to limit rising player salaries. This is Ryan Eckert, a historian at Monmouth University and author of A Game of Failure, the 1994-95 Major League Baseball strike.
0: The idea of a salary cap uh, started to enter the conversation, and Vincent supported the players in being completely against the salary cap. And so very quickly, he uh, really did not ingratiate himself to his employers or his bosses.
2: His employers? You see, in Major League Baseball, the commissioner is handpicked by a very select hiring committee, the owners.
0: They thought that, say, Vincent would kind of be on their side, uh, having selected him themselves, the owners. And when Vincent came in, he really acted uh, much more in the best interest of baseball than in the interest of his employers, really, who were no one but the
2: owners. The owners can't actually fire Vincent, but they started to put enormous pressure on him to resign. After months of controversy and speculation, baseball commissioner Faye Vincent
0: has bowed to management's wishes that he resign. Although the owners have not announced their plans for
2: reorganization, it seems likely that baseball may never be the same. Charlie Rose was right. After Vincent's resignation in 1992, the owners made a more naked power grab. They installed one of their own, Milwaukee Brewers owner Bud Selig, as acting commissioner in 1992. But the owners were only getting warmed up. One of the men behind Faye Vincent's departure was one of Bud Selig's best friends and a fellow owner, Chicago White Sox owner Jerry Reinsdorf. And if you recognize that name, it's probably because Reinsdorf is also the owner of the Chicago Bulls.
0: The NBA had ha- had a salary cap since 1984. Reinsdorf wanted to apply the same principle to baseball because uh, that was working out really pretty well for him as the, of, as the owner of the Bulls.
2: Thanks to the salary cap in basketball, Reinsdorf paid Michael Jordan, an all-time great player at the peak of his powers, less than he paid White Sox outfielder George Bell in baseball. So at the same time, Reinsdorf was helping lead a coup to get a salary cap in baseball. He was getting a bargain on the best player in basketball, a star who would in 1993 deliver the Bulls their third championship in three years. The The Bulls' three-peat was an amazing accomplishment for Jordan, but he was starting to show signs of wear and tear from the immense pressure. This is Roland Lazenby, a basketball writer and author of Michael Jordan: The Life.
0: The process of winning a 3 P was absolutely, completely, thoroughly exhausting. Mentally, emotionally, physical in every way.
2: And by the summer of 1993, Michael Jordan was starting to contemplate a career change. You know, his father... Uh, had long uh, hoped that Michael might consider
1: switching over and playing some baseball just uh change
0: up things. His father would tell him, you know, uh, you've accomplished everything you can in basketball. So there was a lot up in the air.
2: And then something happened that summer that would turn Michael Jordan's world upside down and that would put Chicago owner Jerry Reinsdorf in the bizarre position of watching his most valuable basketball asset turned into one of his lowest performing baseball ones. Do you have an interesting tale about unintended consequences from history or your own life? please share it with us by emailing flashback at ozzy.com. That's flashback at ozy.com. We all need a break from the constant cycle to learn something new, to gain new perspectives. The Great Courses Plus streaming service is an excellent resource to expand our knowledge on a variety of subjects or pick up a new hobby. I've been enjoying The Great Courses Plus while researching this season of Flashback. Lectures like Play Ball: The Rise of Baseball as America's Pastime, History of the Supreme Court, and Battlefield Europe have helped me connect the dots on several stories from history. Right now, they're giving our listeners a special limited-time offer, a free month of unlimited access to their entire library. Sign up now through our special URL. Go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash ozzy. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash ozy. thegreatcoursesplus.com slash ozzy. To listen to this episode in full, click the link in the show notes or search your podcast app for Flashback, History's Unintended Consequences, with new episodes dropping every Wednesday.